Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. <laughs> it's February 25th, 2018, and that means there's 10 months left until Christmas. Today on the show, we're going to look at the scary side of Christmas with the help of a true horror expert, David Cummings from the No Sleep podcast. We'll also count down the top non-Christmas Christmas songs that Christmas is somehow claimed anyway. We'll find a lazy way to keep some covert Christmas in your house all year, and you've once again helped me come up with a story that has all the hallmarks of a great Christmas movie. Let's start the show. Welcome, foolish mortals, to this very special episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. <laughs> what could be more scary than having to wait another ten months until Christmas? How about ghosts, monsters, and other things that go bump in the night? <laughs> I'm very excited to talk a little later with David Cummings from the No Sleep podcast about just such things. But before we move on to the creepy side of Christmas, let's discuss a way to keep the jolly spirit of Christmas around a little longer. In a little segment we call... We need a little Christmas, now! We need a little Christmas, now! This tip could really be boiled down to laziness. When I was packing up the Christmas decorations last month, I thought I was all done. But after I sealed all the boxes and put them in the garage, I noticed I missed a few items. There was still a Santa decal on the bookshelf. My boys had kept out their little Star Wars Christmas scene of Darth Vader putting a Death Star topper on a Star Destroyer tree. And I left out my new ornament that I got this year that plays the John Williams Superman theme. Now, I could have grabbed all these, taken them out of the garage, opened up the Christmas box, and put them back in, but I decided to just leave them out. The boys enjoy playing with that Vader thing every so often, and no one's going to see that Santa unless they're looking at the bottom back part of the bookshelf, and... I just like to press this button every so often because it's fun. So that's my tip. Just leave one or two tiny decorations up all year. Or in the case of the Superman ornament, I take it with me. Sometimes I need a little John Williams around the house, in the car, or in the Christmas cave while I'm recording this show. Speaking of non-Christmas music that reminds me of Christmas, it's time for five golden things. would think that Christmas has enough songs with your silent nights, your joys to the worlds, and your Islesby's homes for Christmases. But for some reason, Christmas will actually steal non-Christmas songs and assimilate them into Christmas songs. So today, I'm going to count down my top five favorite non-Christmas Christmas songs. Let's kick it off with... Number five! Good King Wences. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen When the snow lay round about Deep and crisp and even. The classic story of a rich man and his page trudging through the snow to share a meal with a poor man. Great concept, but the song specifically takes place on the Feast of Stephen. For those of you playing the home game, that's December 26th. This isn't a Christmas carol, it's a Feast of Stephen carol. What's more, it was set to the melody of Tempus Addis Floridium. Don't worry, I had to Google it too. And it's not a Harry Potter spell, it's an 1852 Finnish carol about flowers blooming in the spring. 
but this song will forever be a Christmas song now. Number four. Put a little love in your heart. This song was originally recorded by Jackie DeShannon in 1969 and had nothing to do with Christmas. But then, for some reason, in 1988, director Richard Donner picked this song to close out his Christmas Carol adaptation, Scrooged. There was even a cover version of the song on the soundtrack by Annie Lennox and Al Green. Now you will often hear this song performed in Christmas concerts. Although, it's not that surprising, Richard Donner does have excellent taste in music. Number three. Hallelujah! This song is ubiquitous during Christmas. It's from part two of Handel's The Messiah. So what earns it a spot on this list? Well, part one of The Messiah deals with the birth of Jesus. Part two is about the death and resurrection of Jesus. Yes, kids, the Hallelujah Chorus is not a Christmas carol. It's an Easter carol. Now, as baffling as it may be to sing an Easter song on Christmas, it pales in comparison to... Number two. The other hallelujah. Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing Tronics released their deluxe Christmas album last year, it had a cover of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah on it. And I was like, what? I mean, I know it says the word hallelujah a lot, like the previous song does, but it has nothing to do with Christmas or Jesus, Santa, winter. There's not even a snowman in there. How is this a Christmas song? Love is a cold and broken hallelujah. Okay, kids, let's open presents. Speaking of the children, do you want to build a snowman? Do you want to build a snowman? Come on, let's go and play. I never see you anymore. Come out the door. It's like you've gone away. I've heard this on a few radio stations during Christmas, as well as the Music Choice Sounds of the Season channel. Now look, I know the title of the song is about a snowman, but it's really about a little girl begging her sister to play with her for two verses. Then their parents die between the second and the third verse, Spoiler alert for Frozen. And the last verse is the little sister pleading for comfort from her big sister. What is Christmassy about that? And, of course, I can't leave the honorable mention section without a shout-out to Jingle Bells. Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in Chevrolet. As long-time listeners know, this was originally a Thanksgiving song. For more on that story, you can check out our second-ever episode. All right, back to the countdown. Number one. My favorite things. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. This song has been covered by countless artists for their Christmas albums and Christmas specials, but it's originally from the Broadway musical turned cinematic classic The Sound of Music and has nothing to do with Christmas. It was performed by Julie Andrews on Gary Moore's Christmas special in 1961. But wait, Julie Andrews! 
Andrews wasn't in The Sound of Music movie until 1965. You're right, imaginary listener, who sounds kind of like Kermit the Frog, and that leads us into how it became a Christmas song. As the movie's in production in 1964, the producers of the movie wanted one of the songs from the stage musical to become a hit, so they could sell the movie using that song. So they contacted singer Jack Jones's producer, who told them that Jack was putting out a Christmas album. So they asked him to put My Favorite Things on the album, to which Jack's producer replied, but that's not a Christmas song. So the movie producer said, just add sleigh bells. And I guess that's all they needed, because now this song is permanently linked with Christmas. And that's my list. Any non-Christmas songs that I've forgotten? Let me know in the comments at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com or send us an email at christmas at tancast.com. But now it's time to bring out our guest who's been patiently waiting the wings this whole time. The No Sleep Podcast is a horror fiction podcast that provides original horror stories every week. I started listening a few years back, and I noticed at the end of every year they'd have these special episodes with chilling, creepy Christmas stories. So when I decided to take a look at the scary side of Christmas, I thought, who better to help me out than the creator, host, and executive producer of the No Sleep Podcast? So... Welcome to the Christmas Cave, Mr. David Cummings. Tim, it is a festive joy to be with you today. <laughs> and so I'm so glad you are, you are willing to talk about Christmas in February. Not a lot of people are. Yes, that's right. Well, it's uh, it's kind of an all-year all year thing, right? You just have to have that spirit in your heart. I mean, they say it, like, be sure to keep the Christmas spirit in your heart all year round. Yet in January, people are ripping down those decorations. I don't, I don't, I feel like they didn't, they're not listening. And that's true. You <laughs> see those uh, decrepit little Christmas trees at the side of the road. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> The spirit goes away quickly. <laughs> so for those of you not familiar with the No Sleep Podcast, it's a weekly horror anthology podcast with multiple short stories every episode. I was actually going to ask you the origin story for the show, but I noticed you get asked that in pretty much every interview you do. But fittingly, I did notice the first time you told the origin story of the show, it was on the first No Sleep Christmas episode. Yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, we do, uh, as you said, we do that sort of assortment of short uh, stories on each episode and... Uh, yeah, the uh, the very first season, we started back in 2011, so we're coming up to our seventh anniversary, mm-hmm. and uh, it was the first Christmas, um, or the first December that the show was going. Back then, we did uh, episodes every other Sunday, so it was bi-weekly back then, and it was, I guess, September-ish, and I was looking at the calendar, and I realized that uh, episode 15 would fall right on Christmas Day in 2011. It was on a Sunday, so... I kind of thought that that might be a good time to do a Christmassy themed uh, story. And so I actually wrote that story. Uh, it was sort of like rather than take a week off, which we normally do around Christmas, I decided, okay, well, I'll write a sort of uh, quasi Dickens meets Poe type of uh, Christmas story with a bit of a horror twist to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, yeah, that was kind of the, uh, the, the start of how we... Um, got uh, got Christmas on our radar, so to speak, and, and it's been a yearly tradition ever since. And the show has definitely evolved over the years. You used to pretty much exclusively pull stories from the ones people posted in the No Sleep subreddit. Uh, I, I was, I was, the origin of your show kind of reminds me a bit of George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life, because someone said, hey, we should do uh, a podcast of this, and you're like, well, I'll, I'll be involved in this. I, you know, I'm not going to I'm not necessarily going to spearhead it, but, you know, I, I would get involved and you got, a bunch of other people got involved and then, like, all of them sort of dropped away, like, every week. And you ended up you ended up doing all the voices. You ended up doing all the production. Uh, and it was, it was sort of like at, at any moment it was like you were going to hand it off and then it, it, did, it never really happened. And then it just became your show, sort of like, you know, uh, well, who's going to take over for me? 
<laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, you've encapsulated that quite well. It was just something where I was going to, uh, you know, offer to be a narrator for a story or two whenever they needed me. And uh, like you say, as soon as I came on board, everyone kind of scurried away like rats. <laughs> and uh, so I, uh, yeah, I kind of kicked things off with episode one, and then uh, it just nobody else came along, so it uh, it kind of became my show, and and that's <laughs> that's where it uh, started. Now, do you think they were intimidated by your talent? Like, <laughs> like they thought, well, I, oh, I, I didn't realize the bar was going to be this high. <laughs> Let's let David do it. My, my talent usually is intimidating for uh, <laughs> absolutely nobody. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, I think, you know, in a way that, you know, just it, it was when I put out the first episode, I was consulting with a gentleman by the name of Matt Hansen. It was actually his original idea he posted about this concept of a podcast where we tell stories so i just i kind of crafted the first episode made a little intro for it and everything and he thought yeah that sounds okay so i don't know if it was exactly what he wanted or, or that type of thing but it was um so it wasn't sort of any uh, talent intimidating people it was just i thought well i just need to go ahead and create something and that's kind of how it got got started do you ever hear from Matt anymore? Or is he like the the fifth the, the guy who should have been in the Beatles who is always just like, man, they should have been me? Yeah, yeah, I think he's our Pete Best. He's uh, <laughs> I see him uh, still uh, hanging around Reddit, but yeah, he uh, he after about probably six or seventh episode, he moved on to bigger and better things. Oh well, I, I doubt better because I mean the No Sleep is like it is a huge podcast. <laughs> I think I heard like two million downloads a month. Uh, yeah, every month we're actually sort of over 3 million now. That means oh, wow. that's certainly not our audience size per se, but it means every month our, our entire catalog, which is now over 200 episodes, uh, you know, people are picking and finding us and downloading stories. So yeah, it, it's now over 3 million a month, which is pretty mind boggling. That is pretty, that is, that is awesome. <laughs> Um, now, I know in the beginning, like I said, it was just you doing uh, most of the narrating and the voices, pretty much all of it. But now you have like all these narrators. And I'm curious how you coordinate all of that, because it's not like they're all, they all I mean, despite what it says in the Christmas episode, they're not all living in your basement. It's like some like they're on three different continents of like different people that you have to corral. But I'm wondering how you give to give like notes as a director, because you have sometimes a story with three, four, five narrators on a single story. So how do you how you keep it consistent so that like one person isn't giving like a total of low energy performance and then the other person's giving like a 1990s Jim Carrey over the top performance. And then like they're like, if you do you ever get the audio back? And you're like, this isn't going to sync together. You know, it's it's an interesting point, And it's one that I, I would say we very rarely have to get um, redos or pickup lines from our actors. We've we've been fortunate. I, I suppose a lot of it is that just our team listens to the show or some of them do. We, I always joke with some of them who claim they never listen to the show. But um, <laughs> so we, we start to understand kind of how each other acts and, and how to approach a story. And we've done a number of uh, most of our stories are sort of narrative script uh, stories where we're, you know, a person is telling a tale throughout and mm -hmm. there may be some dialogue parts. But we also have been doing uh, more audio drama scripts, which are fully scripted. So there's no narration. It's just a dialogue. And, yeah, it's remarkable how we can get, like you said, five different people from different parts of the world. And they do their lines. 
and we put them all together and it sounds like they're literally in the same room together. Right, right, because they're having back and forth and it doesn't sound like, oh, that was clearly recorded separately. Like it sounds like they're actually having an interaction. Are, are like they recording separately like on Skype or something and so they can hear each other or are they, they ha- like person A has no idea what person B has done. They just have to wing it. Yeah, it's very much the latter. It's uh, oh. we we really don't do any um, uh, connected recording, uh, sort of like what we're doing now. It's it's really people just recording on their own. And there, I mean, there may be some times where, uh, I, I, again, I don't think that there's really ever been a time where we say ah, that that line just doesn't work and we need you to redo it. There's mostly things like maybe a missed line or mm. a technical glitch or whatever. But yeah, it's. Uh, it's hard to explain. I, I don't know if I can uh, give a, a solid theory as to how or why we seem to be able to blend together. And, and we're constantly getting comments from people who are surprised when they find out that we, we aren't recording in the same room together. So it's uh, I, I guess I can only chalk it up to the talent of our voice actors that, that they blend together so seamlessly. I was especially impressed when uh, it wasn't the last Christmas episode. It's the one before where they sang, was it God Rest You Merry Gentlemen? Uh, no. Oh, um, I can't remember. But it was a Christmas carol and it seemed like all of them were singing. I'm like, how did they how did they get the timing synced up for that? Yeah, that's another little magic trick. We um, basically I, when we found the, the kind of carols we want to do, we've done some. Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, I think um, this year was Angels We Have Heard on High or things like mm-hmm. that. So. Uh, I basically just find a YouTube video with a karaoke track, and I let ah. people know the link. And so they sing along to the karaoke track, so the tempo and the, the key and all that is is the same. And then it's just really then from there creating a little multi-track recording and, uh, you know, panning voices around and just trying to give it a feel that we're all together. So, yeah, there there again, it's just the... Uh, the internet and being able to send digital files back and forth and we can create a choir from all over the world. Well, it's it's a testament not only to the voice actors, but to the production of it. It's, it's, it's seamless. Exactly. We have uh, amazing producers, uh, three guys who, who do most of it. I do a little bit. I actually do some of that uh, song prep and, and the things that we do on those episodes. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's we're so blessed with uh, the talent that we have. So it's uh, I, I'm thrilled that the way they can work their magic on files like that. I have to say, one of the things I admire about your show is that it's not a gross gore fest. Because full disclosure, I'm a huge horror wuss. I don't watch <laughs> horror movies. I don't do haunted houses like except at Disneyland. Like I kind of stumbled onto your podcast by accident. But it is such a good show. Now it is the first podcast I listen to every week. Oh, that's awesome. But so, but so like I'm a horror wuss. So I appreciate that it's not like you know an audio episode of Saw every week. Like it's it's actual like um, uh, suspense and. Uh, um, Mind ga- mind games is not the word I'm looking for, but you know, you know what I mean. It's scary in an intellectual way. Exactly. Yeah, we 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 try to uh, engage people that way. So yeah, that they we, we kind of invite them subtly to use their imagination to put themselves in the scene. And part of it is most of our stories are told in the first person. So mm-hmm. that means the the person, the main narrator of the story, is saying, "This is what happened to me." And so that's kind of engaging as well. But yeah, we, we do try to, um, we don't rely on sort of cheap effects like, uh, jump scares or just, you know, all of a sudden there's just a loud noise in your ears and that type of thing. So yeah, we, um, we like to sort of bring a little more of a psychological bent to it as well. So you've been doing the show, like you said, almost seven years now. 
uh, you've read uh, like countless of horror stories. I mean, uh, the ones that have end- ended up on the show, obviously you've read, and uh, but uh, obviously ones that ha- I'm sure that you've read a ton that haven't made it on the show. Does it take a lot more to scare you at this point? Like, do you walk through a haunted house like uh, on Halloween and just be like, <sighs> oh, yeah, yeah, great. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny. I when I was younger, I was really into horror movies, and uh, yeah, I was I was a big fan. And I don't know if it's the fact that I'm older, or just the fact that, like you say, I'm so immersed in working on creating horror productions that I don't kind of get the same jazz from horror that that I used to. Um, but no, I don't know if I'm necessarily uh, immune to it or desensitized to it. I mean, there are great horror movies that I love to watch and that can still have that effect. But, um, I guess one thing I can say is that I very rarely get scared by the podcast. And I think that's just because I'm so inside it. I know the stories, I know when the twists are coming and that type of thing. So, uh, I, I can certainly still appreciate horror, but, um, yeah, I guess I, I, in a way, I, because I'm so connected to it it doesn't uh, impact me as much as say it might another person um so pe- people may be wondering i thought this was a christmas podcast and i swear i'm getting back to it uh <laughs> because one of the things i love about your show every year is you do a very uh, involved christmas episode and like you mentioned the first year the episode release date just happened to fall on christmas and i was wondering if it had w- would you have done a christmas themed episode for the end of the year anyway or w- or uh, like it was that like a I'm gonna consciously do a Christmas episode every year, or is that just pure happenstance? I would say the first year, uh, it was just the happenstance of it falling uh, falling on Christmas Day, and uh, it just kind of spurred my imagination to write that story. And then the following year, I, I guess uh, I I had the idea of kind of continuing the theme. the The first uh, story that I wrote, the Christmas story, um. It was based as told by a gentleman who was in his little Christmas cottage, I call it. And so it's uh, you hear the snow and the wind blowing outside and the crackling fire. And he's um, telling the story of a lamented lost love. Mm-hmm. And um, so w- when it came to the following year, I thought, well, we could continue on this theme. And I think even at that time, I kind of put a call out to the authors and said, hey, if you've got Christmas themed horror stories, let us know and we'll we'll do a show about them but i wanted to set the the overall mood or theme of the show back in that christmas cottage and so that's where that kind of running theme through all our christmas episodes has come from mm-hmm. we we talk about uh, the 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 cozy christmas cottage and, and and i sort of and i don't in a way i don't know where this came from but as i host that those episodes I tend to do so as this different character. Yes. Uh, he's, he's come to be known. A lot of people think that he's Santa Claus and I suppose in a way he is, but, um, yeah, I, I just sort of do this voice. Hello. Welcome to the cozy Christmas cottage. And, and so, you know, there's that kind of feel of this jovial, uh, man who's welcoming people, even though, as we alluded to earlier, we, we talk about our voice actors being kept in the dungeon down below yes. and all that. <laughs> So yeah, that it's just been a fun theme to run, to run through every every Christmas episode, and we start to adapt. Our great composer Brandon Boone will take a Christmas song and kind of make it eerie and and spooky and and no sleepicize it to uh, to fit the the mood of the show. And uh, it's they've just become so much fun, and they've become fan favorites. No sleepicize is the best verb I've ever heard in my life. 
<laughs> that's right. <laughs> Trademarked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, like you mentioned, the first Christmas story was written by you, and that's it's kind of unusual for you to write stories for the show. Was there just no good Christmas episodes uh, on the the subreddit, or was that just an idea that you're like, it is, it's my time? Oh, it was probably that. Yeah, probably just hubris on my part, thinking, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll write this. Like a uh, hubris. <laughs> I'll create this wonderful, uh, as I said, I, I, I save tongue in cheek that it's Dickens and Poe and all that kind of thing. Of course, not, not coming close to their talent, but yeah, I just, it was a story that just kind of, uh, it was in my head and I thought this could get down on paper and, and be adapted for audio fairly effectively. And I was, I was really happy with how it turned out from an audio perspective. The fact that there's the crackling fire and the wind blowing and, I love that sort of atmosphere that uh, I was able to create with that story. So, um, but yeah, it, it really was just a um, let's give this a shot and see what happens kind of thing. Now, I, I assume the reaction to the Christmas episodes must be pretty positive because it feels like they're getting bigger and more elaborate. I mean, I guess the show is getting bigger and more elaborate every year, but I feel like the Christmas show is almost as big a special at the end of the year as the Halloween episode almost. You're absolutely right. In fact, just this year, I recognize or I, I looked at the stats and I realized that the um, normally, as, as one would imagine, being a horror show, our Halloween episodes would be obviously very, very popular, <laughs> and they are. But uh, yeah, this year's Christmas episode, the 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 free episode, as I say, we we have a a paid portion to our show, and so there's there's a bonus episode for those folks. But the free episode this year was almost three and a half hours long. And I think there are, you know, a lot of people out there who realize, hey, there's this really long episode. So they they've uh, gravitate towards that. But, yeah, the uh, the number of downloads the Christmas episode got in its first 30 days were more than the uh, the Halloween episode. So I, I made a little tweet about that. I said the message from the fans is clear. Less Satan, more Santa. <laughs> so, yeah, they've been. They, They've become very, uh, very popular, and uh, I, I think just the uh, the connection, or maybe even the juxtaposition of Christmas and horror, seems to really, uh, really uh, resonate with people. And and speaking of the latest Christmas episode, I noticed that that you, like you said, you do that uh, the old English Santa character, and you actually were you this is this last Christmas episode, you were able to do that and yourself, so you could have a conversation with yourself. Uh, and I noticed a lot of it was. The, the old English character being like, hey, you're ruining Christmas with all these horrible stories. Why aren't you telling normal Christmas stories? And I wondered, was that in any way a, uh, a vocalization of anything you'd heard from listeners or was it just uh, purely a storytelling device? I, I would say it was more a storytelling device. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. I, I tend to have a really um, uh, self-deprecating kind of sense of humor or approach to myself. So it's it's a it's a kick to be able to play another person against myself and to, uh, you know, insult myself and, and make, <laughs> make fun of myself that way. So I get a kick out of that. But yeah, it's really just um, just trying to create a little bit of uh, interstitial um, stuff in between each story. So as we one story ends and another story begins, we just have a little running theme that uh, we can bring to uh, to keep the show cohesive. 
And how early do you start planning for a Christmas episode? Is it like a normal episode where it's just, you know, uh, I mean, I can't be because like you said, three hours long, you're not going to be able to bang that out in a normal week like you normally do the show. So like how like is it like in November, October, like how far back are you planning it? I would say we put a call out for stories probably in and around November. And um, but yeah, with the way we do things, we run pretty tight uh, with deadlines. And so. Once we have the stories selected and we have kind of our lineup for the episode, um, we'll get those stories out to narrators or voice actors probably, boy, first, maybe second week of December. So, yeah, it's uh, we're not, um, you know, we're not one of these people like, uh, for example, you hear about things like the Rose Bowl Parade or something like that. And they <laughs> as soon as that one parade ends, they start planning for the next year. We're, we're not like that. We... Um, <laughs> We're working on an episode pretty, uh, you know, pretty much just in December. So it's uh, don't have a lot of lead time for those shows. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was like you know as soon as the episode is over, you're like, okay, I got this, I got the idea for next year. Everybody gather around. No, no, that would that would be something smart people and organized people do. That's not us. <laughs> oh, I know exactly what that's like. This podcast comes out on the 25th each month, and I am usually scrambling on the 24th. Like, oh, I got to come up with something. Mm-hmm. I know that feeling. <laughs> Um, now I was wondering, this is a random question. Have you ever thought of doing like an extended universe type situation? Like, you know, those old universal movies where Frankenstein met Dracula since, you know, since your show is like an anthology where each show is its own thing. But like, what if like Mr. Strings from the most recent Christmas episode had a visit from that kid who kept harassing the mall Santa uh, that you did? Like, it was like a recurring ch- a Christmas episode or uh, maybe uh, 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 those evil Christmas decorations uh, from the most recent episode. I mean, Christmas episode. Uh, had to fight those nutcracker statues from a couple episodes back. Like, do you ever think of doing like a like an ex- like it's working very well for Marvel? So I'm wondering, would you ever think of bringing the uh, the universes together? Uh, I would say that yes, that has been uh, bandied about, um, and I think that's really just uh, our writing team. Not not that we sort of necessarily have exclusive writers, but um, a lot of the people who write for us, especially the more theme stories like Christmas. Um, yeah, I'm sure they would love to collaborate and come up with stuff like that. Uh, but, and yeah, that would, that would be a great approach. So I'm going to steal that from you. <laughs> now, uh, more generally, I was wondering, what do you think makes Christmas such a fertile ground for horror? Because it's not just, it's not like your show exists in a vacuum. There is like, you know, there's lots of Christmas horror movies. Uh, people forget that the, the Dickens, a Christmas Carol is uh, a scary story in its day. Cause you know, like now we only see like Mickey Mouse and Kermit the Frog tell the story, but like it was a scary story. So people clearly like to be scared on Christmas. What do you think is the, uh, the, the reason behind that? Yeah, it, it's, it is interesting to think about how Christmas uh, does work well for horror um, because obviously Christmas is meant to be festive and joyful and peace on earth and all that, but um, it does lend itself to horror. And, and this year, I mentioned the, uh, the bonus Christmas episode we did. Uh, that episode was called A Sleepless British Christmas. And the tradition that, that I was made aware of just recently was that back in in sort of earlier days, maybe even Victorian days, uh, there was a British tradition of gathering on Christmas Eve and telling ghost stories. And um, as you mentioned, I think Dickens maybe had some influence on that, but <laughs> that that just seemed to be uh, something that people did. And, and I would guess that it probably is related to things like um, 
Christmas based around sort of the winter solstice. So it's in the northern hemisphere. It's the longest night of the year, the darkest night of the year. People are cold. They're huddled around a, a fireplace. So I think it just the darkness and the cold and, and that probably lends itself to uh, to just evoking memories of uh, spooky things and ghosts and goblins and that type of thing. So it's uh, it seems to have been a tradition for for many, many years now to connect horror or at least ghosts with uh, with Christmas. Yeah, there is that line in that Andy, Andy Williams song, like, you know, scary ghost stories and Christmas is long, long ago. And like, I, I feel like <laughs> that that is something that just gets passed over. Like, no one ever comments on it. Like, wait, did you just say ghost stories? Because most of us don't tell ghost stories. Like, I, I don't know about you. That's not a tr- cr- Christmas tradition I have. But I, I I assumed it came from somewhere, and like you said, I guess it's 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 English. Yeah, I think it is uh, more of an English thing, and uh, yeah. Whenever I heard that too, I, I kind of scratched my head about that. But I, again, I just assumed he was talking about Dickens and the Three Ghosts of Christmas. So, but yeah, there there is that tradition of actual spooky ghost stories. I assumed he was just hurting for a rhyme. He's like, whatever, clock out, and he's done. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you or do you have a favorite Christmas horror related uh, story or movie either growing up or now? Hmm. Um, I, boy, in terms of horror, I um, asked the tough questions. Yes, that's a very, a very cutting edge commentary we're hoping to uh, evoke here. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think um, I know that the, uh, the some of the ones that we've done on our show, um, you know, there's there's. Uh, and I'm blanking on the actual titles, but there there are so many stories that we've done that that evoke that type of uh, thing that I mentioned earlier that the the cold and the dark and the winter and um, I, I just there's something about that that really connects with me and I suppose that's why my story had that feel of someone sitting by a fireplace and the the wind blowing outside and the coldness and the isolation. So I think that there's a an aspect of that that uh, that relates or resonates with me, but uh, I, I know for myself in terms of movies, um, A Christmas Carol is one I watch every Christmas Eve. It's a tradition, the the classic nineteen fifty one version with Alistair Stan- Alistair Sim, and uh, so that's uh, again not traditional horror, but that's something that I always turn to at Christmas. Excellent. Now, and uh, do you have, if I may get personal for a moment, do you have any horror? element to your own celebration of christmas every year or is that something limited kind of to the show yeah i would say it's limited limited to the show uh it's funny we we don't um my wife and i you know we don't have kids so um you know we're not the kind of people who will necessarily fill our house with decorations and that type of thing and and our christmas is relatively low-key until we get together with the family but uh yeah i guess it's safe to say that horror is uh is not a part of our actual Christmas Day celebrations. So it's a, a kind of thing where you leave it at the office, like that. <laughs> like, look, I'm horror day in and day out. That's, I want to watch right. two and a half man reruns. Like, just leave me be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't bring my home, uh, my work home with me. So that's <laughs> that's the way we handle it. Well, I wanted to thank you for uh, sharing uh, more about your podcast with us. And uh, before I let you go, I must ask you the five golden questions. <laughs> Are you, now, this is where I hold your feet to the fire, so get ready. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Number five. What is your favorite Christmas song or Christmas carol? <laughs> 
My favorite Christmas carol would probably be uh, Joy to the World. I, I, musically, I love that one. I like uh, singing it. I like, I like hearing it. And uh, written by Handel, of course. And mm -hmm. uh, I love the uh, the Messiah, of course, his classic uh, concerto. And, and the, um, the Christmas-based uh, story in that called For Unto Us a Child is Born is, is very, very stirring. So... Yeah, I guess I I can uh, stick with Handel for Christmas that way. I do I do agree that so the best Christmas carols are the ones that are mo the most fun to also sing. Yeah, like there's some that are just that's uh, good to listen to, but like you you know, if, if it's Mariah Carey's wacky vocal range, like I can't really sing along. But <laughs> if right. it's something I can sing along to, that's one of my that's one of my favorite carols. Exactly, and I always got a kick out of it because the the first line of that story is basically just a scale going down da, 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 da. that's just a major scale so <laughs> it's hard to get much uh more simple than that it's always good to talk christmas carols with someone who actually knows music <laughs> well i know my major scales that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> number four your favorite christmas movie or tv special well, I alluded to it earlier. Um, my Christmas Eve traditions are to watch A Charlie Brown Christmas, followed by uh, the Alistair Sim version of A Christmas Carol. Those are, uh, I, I could probably quote that movie by memory. I, I watch it every year and it's uh, it's a classic. So yeah, that, that those two are my uh, Christmas Eve traditions. Excellent choices both. Number three. Best Christmas present you ever got. I can recall, I guess it was, I was 13 back in 1978. Yes, I am old. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, came downstairs in the morning and there waiting for me were two uh, handheld games. Now, this is long before Game Boy and anything uh, fancy like that. It was the uh, people my age might remember the classic Coleco electronic quarterback game. Oh, Yes. And there was one by Mattel, a, a basketball game, and and the the graphics were there weren't even graphics. It was just a little screen with these little red LED diodes or whatever <laughs> that you could push your arrow keys and make it move around, and and it uh, it was it wasn't even eight bit. It was one bit <laughs> graphics. It was just li little was red dots bitless. on the screen. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I remember seeing those, and it was one of those things where I don't remember ever kind of asking Santa for those games. And so I guess uh, he, in his wisdom, <laughs> realized maybe through TV commercials or whatever that that was a popular toy at the time. And so when I saw those, I just flipped. And, and I have very fond memories of those games. Nice. Number two. What is the worst Christmas present you ever got? You may have to inform the person who gave it to you not to listen to this episode. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I was going to jokingly say basically everything else I've ever received. <laughs> <laughs> And the, the only reason I say that is because I am I am one of these cursed people who is sort of a Christmas baby. My birthday is December twenty second, oh. and so I'm one of those poor unfortunate saps who, uh, when I was a kid, I remember I would open a birthday present from an aunt or a great aunt or something like that, and it would be a sweater, and I'd think, oh, isn't that pleasant? And then <laughs> I would I would get the the encouragement to say now. I know you're not thrilled with your birthday present, but wait for Christmas. And so on Christmas, I would open their present and it would be socks and underwear or <laughs> something, something like that. So oh, man. as, as a person who, um, lamentably does not sort of get the two types of, uh, gifts, you know, I don't get the summer birthday present and the Christmas present. So it's, uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't think I, there's sort of one gift that I say, oh, that's awful. But I do remember getting a lot of clothes and, and sort of smaller gifts simply because I had a birthday a few days earlier. My uh, my wife also has a birthday in December, and she, we did a whole episode about people with – well, not a whole episode. We did a, a segment in an episode about people with Christmas uh, – birthdays near Christmas. And apparently something that people do is celebrate their birthday – their half birthday. So you celebrate in June on whatever date it would be. Like the yes. like June twenty second. That's a good right. way to avoid it. Exactly. Yeah, it's something I should do because I'm just not getting the presents I deserve. I'll tell yeah. you that. <laughs> Everybody, start sending David Christmas presents in June. What are you waiting for? There we go. That's <laughs> that's the message of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that, if there was nothing else you gleaned from today, that's it. That's right. <laughs> honorable mentions. All right, we got a couple of honorable mention questions. These uh, these don't count in the proper five, but you still have to answer them anyway. Or actually, you don't. You, you're free to go at any time you want. Really. <laughs> Um, this is the only one that has a right or wrong answer. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Mm, now I'm fearful of what my answer would be. <laughs> well, I, I would say this. It's only been in the last few years that I've even heard this discussion or controversy. Um, so the fact that I watched the movie back many years ago when it came out and it just never, never occurred to me that there was any concept of it being a Christmas movie. Yes, I know there's Christmas music in it and what have you. It takes place around then. But dare I say, I do not consider Die Hard a Christmas movie. Oh, I'm sorry. It is a Christmas movie. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> we took a vote last year and our listeners decided it is, in fact, a Christmas movie. But don't worry, you're not alone. We had very emphatic um, dissenting opinions. <laughs> I can imagine. Right. And I'm just making a note to make you a character in one of our horror stories who gets horribly <laughs> killed. <laughs> well, t the the name of the character in that first Christmas story, uh, no, wasn't, there was a character in the first Christmas story named Tim. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it for in case people listening to this haven't heard that story. Go back and listen. Right. Um, sorry, one more honorable mention. Eggnog, yum, or yuck? Isn't it funny how I mentioned earlier how my wife and I don't do a lot of decorations, but we do put up a little tree and we do uh, put up some baubles and bells here and there. And when we do that, it is our tradition to have eggnog with, dare I say, a little splash of rum in it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not something that we gorge ourselves on, but for that one day, we definitely enjoy eggnog. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a question that really div like divides Christmas people. Like, some people really love it, and the people who don't, really don't. There's nobody like, I can take or leave eating eggnog. You're either yes or you're no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I've heard of some people who drink it, you know, sort of year-round, or they have it in the summer or whatever, and that just seems wrong. And it has to be... <laughs> Consume in and around December only. Yes. Number one. All right. So the number one question, and it's a bit open-ended. This is, is a brand new question. What is your favorite either Christmas snack or Christmas tradition? You can pick what it, you know. You can pick anything from that. You know, snack, food, drink, tradition. Boy, favorite. Well, um, I'm someone who it's obviously it's associated with Christmas because of the the usual turkey meal and that type of thing. But I think for some reason that having a turkey with stuffing or dressing, as some people call it, uh, it's not something that uh, for whatever reason we have throughout the year. So um, there's something I always look forward to the Christmas meal when you have a nice serving of stuffing to uh, yes. to enjoy oneself self with. So that certainly stands out. And um, in terms of traditions, um, Boy, it's uh, I, I, I'm going to sound like Scrooge here, like uh, we don't decorate the house and we don't have a lot of traditions. <laughs> but 
Um, Do you even know what Christmas is? <laughs> I, I'm. Let me just Google it here quickly. Uh, <laughs> I, I suppose it's just. Um, I think a big part of it is is not having kids. I think that uh, people who have children, they can get so much more into Christmas and, and they get more out of it, of course, because of the joy of the kids. And since um, we now have I, my uh, nephew and, and his wife have a, a young daughter and it was her, um, she, she was actually born on Christmas Day. And so we recently celebrated her second birthday. And that's what you know, is, is the exciting part of Christmas and where the real joy comes in seeing this young girl opening her presents and that type of thing. So mm -hmm. better than us stodgy old adults who are so cynical about it. <laughs> well, now when you, uh, when she grows up, you two can commiserate, com commiserate, that's not a word, commiserate about having birthdays near Christmas. Exactly. Yeah. In <laughs> fact, um, it, in our family, we have uh, one uh, the Charlotte, my grandniece, who uh, was born on Christmas Day, and my other grandniece, Ella, was born on the 28th. So we have me three days before Christmas, we have Charlotte on Christmas, and we have Ella uh, three days after Christmas. So we're just a sorry bunch of uh, Christmas babies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, th again, thank you, David, for coming on the show. I uh, want to tell people to go to nosleeppodcast.com. Uh, yeah, the no sleep podcast dot com. Oh, you can the. find us there. And yeah, that's right. Got to get the the in there. And um, yeah, you can find all our uh, episodes. Uh, we have our episodes. Are, there's always uh, an hour's worth of free content. And then I mentioned that paid version, but uh, there's tons in the archives. Yeah. And even if you just want to search for the Christmas episodes, you've probably got eight or nine hours worth of uh, scary Christmas stories to enjoy. I will definitely link all the Christmas episodes in uh, the uh, the show notes for this episode. And like uh, as this episode drops, you're on tour. And in fact, we're here in the we're here in the Bay Area in California. You'll be you'll be in Oakland, I believe, the 23rd of February. Is that right, or the 24th? Um. Oh boy, I don't have it in front of me. I, I yeah, barely I, know I, this. The same thing. I'm like, oh, I should have had the calendar up, or I should have <laughs> right. written this down. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. But we. Uh, you're right. We, we're starting our tour on February 20th in uh, in Portland. So we go down the uh, the left coast, as uh, non funny people like to say. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll be in Oakland. I think. Yeah, I think it would be um, two or three days later. So 23, 24. Um, we're in Oakland at the uh, Oakland uh, Metro Opera House, I think they call it. So, yeah, we'd love to have people come out and see what we do. And then, and then also in L.A. a few days after that. I just know because a lot of people who listen to the show are Disneyland fans, so we have a lot of California listeners. So I wanted to, I'm actually going to release this episode a couple days early just to let people know to get up there. And there will be a link to the tour dates in the show notes of this episode as well. Oh, that's great! Yeah, that would be that would be wonderful. We're uh, l last year when we went out the uh, the West Coast was the end of the tour. And now we start out there, so uh, it'll be great. Yeah, it's it's hard when you start with the best coast. Yeah, that's something equally unfunny people say. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I've I've learned that in my stage banter to uh, limit jokes like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also want to warn people when you're searching for it, don't search for the No Space Sleep Podcast search for the no sleep podcast because for whatever reason search engines can't make the skip that there is no space in between no and sleep exactly that's uh, a remnant of the uh, the old subreddit or still going but uh, from our subreddit days yeah that's right there's no space it's just no sleep as a concept of sleepless horror no space no sleep easy to remember exactly <laughs> itunes can't figure it out so you have to do it on their behalf exactly 
Well, again, thank you, David, so much. Uh, any, anything else you'd like to plug before we go? Uh, no, I think that the tour and the show itself, that's about all I've got going on in my life these days. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, check those two things out. That would be great. And, of course, we're on all social media. Social media, you can lose the the. So whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, it's just No Sleep Podcast. You'll find us there. And, uh, yeah, this has been so much fun. I really appreciate you having me on, Tim. Well, thank you so much. And Merry Christmas. <laughs> and a Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> Okay, normally that would be more than enough show for one episode, but we still have some unfinished business. Inspired by the Christmas movies on the Hallmark Channel that have become super popular over the last few years, we're coming up with our own movie ideas in a segment we call All the Hallmarks of a Great Christmas Movie. So basically, I take the plot of a real Hallmark movie and strip out some of the details, and then I ask for random ideas on our Facebook and our Twitter. Then we plug your ideas in and see whether or not our Christmas movie is any more or less ridiculous. Here's the most recent synopsis, thanks to your feedback. When aspiring accountant Aaron is unceremoniously dumped by her soon-to-be accountant boyfriend, Aaron takes stock and decides to take a leap. She signs up for a math retreat at a quaint abandoned hospital shortly before Christmas, where a top accountant is scheduled to attend and read the work of one lucky accountant. Shortly after arriving, she crosses paths with Dan, whom she initially finds to be slimy, and naturally ends up being her doing taxes partner. Worse yet, her ex is also at the retreat. Despite these bumps in the road, Erin steps outside her comfort bathtub and plunges into the math exercises, surprising herself. Equally unexpected is the attraction that seems to be building between her and Dan that promises to take her down a kitten she never imagined frolicking. Hmm, I don't know if that one is as seamless as the one last month, but it certainly could make an interesting story. We're going to do a few more of these because I think I'd like to flesh one of these out into a full script by the end of the year. I should have asked David for some tips on how to produce a good short fiction story. Maybe you guys can vote at the end of the year on which story you'd want to hear fleshed out. But speaking of voting, let's see how you voted in last month's Who Sang It Best. So last time it was Michael Buble versus Mariah Carey over Who Sang Christmas, Baby Please Come Home the Best. But before we get to the results, I did get a couple comments on the website about the matchup in general. Steve left this comment on our website. He said, how are these the choices for the song? It's Darlene Love or nothing. No other version matters. At all. Then Brian chimed in with, agree completely. Maybe Tim wanted to keep it from being a landslide. Check out YouTube for Darlene's performances on Letterman over the years. She says she retired the song from her live performances after her 19th annual appearance on Letterman's final Christmas show in 2014. Goodness! I had no idea this would cause such controversy. I didn't include Darlene Love on this for the same reason I didn't include Bing Crosby in The White Christmas Who Sang It Best a few years back. It's the obvious answer, and that's not what Who Sang It Best is all about. There's actually supposed to be some mystery about who will win. you got to bring your preferences into it. And speaking of your preferences, with 58% of the vote, it looks like you preferred Michael Buble. Good job, Michael. We'll have another showdown in our March episode, so if you have an idea for a song that two different artists have covered, leave a comment at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com so we can decide who sang it best. And that'll do it for this episode. I'm sorry we ran out of time for the mailbag, but I promise to do a double dip next episode. I'd like to extend my special thanks again to Mr. David Cummings for coming on the show. <laughs> Ow! Bad Tim! No puns during the wrap-up! Sorry! 
Anyway, if you're brave enough, all the links to every Christmas episode of the No Sleep Podcast is linked in the show notes at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. You might find yourself a new favorite podcast, even if you're a horror wuss like me. I will say the show is definitely not for kids. I mean, it's, like, it's not a gore fest, but some of the stories are indeed disturbing. But if you like being disturbed, you're in luck. I've also got the links to the No Sleep Podcast live tour dates in the show notes. Uh, they are in Oakland, right here in the Bay Area, the day this episode drops. So if you listen to this in the morning, you might have time to get there at night. Again, those links are in the show notes. And don't forget to leave us your favorite co-opted non-Christmas songs and or who sang it best ideas. Okay, I gotta go make sure my Christmas nightlight is plugged in so I don't have any nightmares tonight. But I'll see you next month. And in the meantime, keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2018. Oh. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you for listening to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on iTunes, or we're available on Stitcher and Google Play as well. If you'd like to leave a comment on this or any episode, go to our official website at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store, where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, bumper stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas merchandise all year long. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash can't wait for Christmas pod. Or on Twitter, we are at Christmas pod. Or you could always send us an email directly at Christmas at tancast.com. The Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is part of the Tancast Podcast Network. We wish you a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band. And this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the Accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Kristen Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Now, one thing I was curious of, there have got to be outtakes. Have you ever thought of releasing those as, like, an episode just for funsies? Tim, I am shocked and appalled that you would even <laughs> intimate that we create or, or we have mistakes or, or <laughs> things know, that, I'm sorry. It's just so appalling. <laughs> no, we, um, yes, of course, there is uh, lots of uh, lots of outtakes. And some of us within the team, we uh, we will save some of those classic gems and share them with, uh, within ourselves. But it is something that I've thought about. It would be fun to create a blooper reel to, uh, you know, to just share that with the fans because they're always funny and uh, show the how human we are and how even though as we've just spoken about we sound like we're you know sort of very talented and things work together seamlessly but boy if you heard all the takes and the mistakes <laughs> and the burps and the whole that kind of stuff it's uh, there's a lot to cut out i can assure you of that hello you can hear me can you what the ah, classic dumb joke <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm getting a message on Skype saying people are having trouble hearing you. Try moving closer to your mic. Am I coming through okay? Yeah, fine. Oh, good. Okay, so Skype is just being a... Uh, I guess that's the NSA. Skype, you're not supposed to let that part out. <laughs> that's probably it. That's right. <laughs> and really, NSA, you have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
I will warn you in advance, I'm a terrible interviewer. <laughs> okay, well, I'm probably a terrible interview. Uh, no, I've listened, to, I've listened to many interviews of yours over the past couple of days, just so I don't ask the same questions that you get asked all the time. Okay, good, good. <laughs> and you are not a terrible interviewee. But I'm just oh, well, like, thank ah! you. you know how those Chris Farley, like, you remember that show? It was great. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so get ready for plenty of that. Sure, sure. <laughs> What 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 is your favorite uh, thing to do about Christmas? Thing to do about Christmas? That was some horrible grammar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll pretend that that threw me so much that I have to now regroup my thoughts to uh, to, to answer this. <laughs> All right. Well, you have a great day. And again, thanks for thanks for coming on. <clears throat> thanks okay, for coming well, on. He said with a man's voice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Again, thanks, Jim. That's great. And uh, we'll be in touch soon. All right. Great. Okay. Take care. What could be more scary than having to wait another 10 months until Christmas? How about ghosts, monsters, and other things that go bump in the night? All right, why don't you take it down a notch? Not a Christmas game show. Hey, everybody! We're going to in some fabulous prizes. It's me jabbering in your ear. Okay, now normally that would be more than enough show for one episode, but we still have some unfinished business. Business. We have some unfinished business. Let's finish the business.